With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on vSEN, the sports betting network. What's going on, everybody? Hello and welcome into the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. I'm Stormy Bonantoni in Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi out at his set in the East Coast. And Michael, a little schedule shape shake up this week. We're not used to having you on a Tuesday, but a welcome change. How are you? It's two Tuesdays in a row. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm great. You know, I mean, look, it's all good. We're we're enjoying it. Uh, it's a uh, summertime. I mean, we're counting the days until the NFL season starts and uh, all the great things that are going to happen. Your wedding, you know, we're all looking for this. It's a big summer ahead of us, Stormy. We're, we're really excited for it. Certainly is. Things are happening and we'll have plenty to cover today on the show with the NFL. Uh, a number of headlines coming in as well as just prop markets that I feel like are popping up every single day. We'll get into a little NBA as well. Your good friend Tate Frazier of The Ringer is going to join us, talk all things NBA draft, which is coming up. This Thursday, just a couple days away, and we'll get our guy Will Hill like we do every Tuesday here on the show, his daily picks and some futures as well. But um, let's start with the NFL today, Michael, because it seems like this is something we've talked about like almost every single day for the last week with Stefan Diggs and the Buffalo Bills. But the more we talk about it, the more what we thought seems to be rooted in reality, especially with a recent report coming out from the Boston Globe. Ben Bolin reporting a source close to the Bills locker room shared that Diggs' frustration has, in fact, stemmed from his role in the offense and his voice in play calling, which is something that we've talked about a lot. And all of this going back to last week when head coach Sean McDermott first said he was very concerned about not having Diggs out there on the field. He walked that back the next day saying that it was excused and that he considered all of the issues resolved. What I keep on walking back to with this situation, Michael, is that with Diggs, if this is something that really has been on his mind since dating back to last season. And I I even went back and looked at that interview a lot of people have talked about when he went on Dan Patrick during the Super Bowl and was talking about how the back half of the season, we just weren't as dynamic as a team and we had missed opportunities, whether it was in situations that they were utilizing him not only in that final game of the season, but that back half of the year. And so if he's had these issues that were stemming from that far back, and it's been four months now since the season ended, why is this just now being addressed? And over a 24-hour period, McDermott says, oh, yeah, it's, it's good now. I consider this issue resolved. 
Well, I think it's a timeline thing, Stormy. So, you know, at the end of the season, people voice their frustrations, right? So they lose a home game to Cincinnati. You know, in that game, he had 10 targets. He had four catches for just 35 yards. So, you know, there was no impact that he had on the game, even though he had 10 targets. The week before, he had nine targets and seven catches. So, you know, I think so. Once the season's over, there's a lot of pro- – look, here's what we're going to do in the offseason. We're going to change this. We're going to do this. You know, we're going to move some things around. Kind of that's the conversation. Then when you get to the OTAs or you get to the mini camps, if that doesn't manifest itself to an actual plan, to an mm-hmm. actual redesign, then you're going to have some consternation. And I think that's probably where we are. You know, as you mentioned, my first initial reaction was – contract and then you said no no he had a 22 contract okay you're right no contract so it has to be this Mm -hmm. right it has to be look I'm the best receiver I got to get the football I should have more targets than ever before and I want to see my role within this offense and I and I think that's kind of where he's coming from and that's the challenge that Dorsey has that's the challenge that that you have to go through with these receivers because you know he had 154 targets last year in the regular season at 108 catches you know I think that's going to be something that's really important to handle. So knowing how important he is to this offense and to his quarterback, I mean, he had 60 more receptions and nearly 600 more yards than their second wide receiver in Gabe Davis here. Do you view this as a small bump in the road or or are there bigger problems afoot with this offense and with this team? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to the coordinator, right? So one thing we do know about the Buffalo offense is he wants the football. And defensive coordinators know that accordingly. So they roll the coverage to Diggs, and they basically double Diggs with some form of high-low coverage, and they take their chances with Gabe Davis on the other side. And without a slot receiver, they weren't as worried. That's why the McKenzie experiment, which was good two years ago, failed this year. That's why they brought back Cole Beasley. So what happens is a good coordinator, a good offensive play caller, a good schemer finds a way to get his best player the football. And that's on Dorsey because you can sit there and say, well, he's doubled. I mean, Justin Jefferson's doubled all the time. They get him the football. Travis Kelsey's doubled all the time. They get him the football. Devontae Adams is doubled all the time. They get him the football because he's never going to be in one place and you're going to move him around. It's hard to double guys that move from inside out, outside in, and it becomes a little bit of a challenge and the offensive coordinator's got to respond to that. Now, Dorsey, the pressure's on Dorsey. That's that's going to be the key. He's got to be able to handle that. His yardage prop set at 1,125 and a half receiving yards. Uh, his over under for receiving touchdowns eight and a half after having 11 last year. And this Bills team nine to one, the Super Bowl odds third on the odds board to win it all. Um, and with that win total set at 10 and a half too, it seems like. And granted, third on the odds board, they're still obviously considered among the top contenders. But it seems like in general, the expectations for this team just feel a little bit lower than they have been in years past. Do you see that? Yeah, I do. I don't see a sense of belonging in their team. I don't see a sense of like, hey, we're all in this. You know, we have the conversation I mentioned about Leslie Frazier leaving over play calling duties, which is completely true. 
you know, people in Buffalo can spin it any way they want. That's the reality. No, McDermott can spin I, it any, I any way he wants. I wanted to tell you, too, um, I heard Ian Rappaport on McAfee yesterday saying that he heard a lot of the same things that you did corroborating that thought process with Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott as well, just to cement that further. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about that being incorrect. I know that yeah. as a fact. So I'm very comfortable no matter how many people call me an idiot on Twitter. So I'm really good the about Twitter that. Uh, you know, so you've got that issue. You've got how do we get him the football? I mean, this guy had 1,400 yards last year. His prop is set at 1,100. Yep. You would think people would be all over that, right? Yep. But let's put things in perspective. He had 200-yard games after week eight of the season. Mm -hmm. One of them was the last game of the season against the Patriots. You know where he made a. You know he he had had a had a big play yards after the catch. So I think to me there is a lot going on here. I, I was. Not impressed with Dorsey's adjustments during the season. I think they kind of manifested themselves off of the day ball offense. But once it started to have to adjust, I didn't see the same things that happened that under day ball. Yeah, it's certainly something to monitor going into this season and during training camp. Uh, another news item over the last 24 hours, Michael, Dalvin Cook went on the uh, the Adam Schefter podcast, told Shefty that he would love to team up with DeAndre Hopkins wherever the free agent wide receiver lands. Quote, if we end up on the same roster, that would be something epic for the NFL. Epic, maybe realistic or likely. I'm not so sure, Michael, but what yeah, did you make I, of the I, comments? I mean, that's that's going to take about $25 million of cap room to get both those guys on the team, assuming they want they get the market value of what they want, not the market value, about what they really want. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. I think that's a little wishful thinking, if you will, Stormy. I mean, one thing, again, it's player and cap number. You can't separate the two, right? Can Hopkins get 15 on a one-year deal like Odell Beckham had? I don't know. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about it. I doubt that happens. I really do. I don't see – if somebody's not willing to do it today, I don't think by July they're going to be willing to do it. And the only way you get a player to take less is through time. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you said it. Hopkins certainly at least seeking – 15 or close to that number, knowing what OBJ got. Dalvin Cook and his camp already saying that they're looking for at least nine. Whether or not he gets that is to be determined. For DeAndre Hopkins, the Patriots, who we've talked about a lot over the last handful of days, are now the favorite in the odds on DraftKings for where Hopkins will end next at even money. And so kind of because of that and because he just had that recent visit up in Foxborough and the one-on-one -on -one with Bill Belichick, because of the stuff that's come out with Cook over the last 24 hours and his desire saying how cool it would be to play with Hopkins. The Patriots are a team that people are saying, what if Cook and Hopkins could both end up in New England? And that quite, at least to me, and you obviously know that organization and Bill better than anybody, that's where it would seem the most likely for the two of them to come together. Well, they would have to borrow on next year's cap. One thing about the Patriots, they have probably the most cap room going into the 24 season next year of any team in the league. They've got a really good young team, so I don't think they're really in, in any trouble there. Uh, and they would have to borrow on next year. Look, I think Cook would be a great addition to the to the Patriots to go along with Armando Stevenson. Mm -hmm. Would give them that one-two punch. You know, sometimes he's the nickelback, sometimes he's the main back. Stevenson can be a nickelback, then he can be the power back. So to me, I think that's a deadly combination. You know, and I'm not sure they have 
a backup runner? Is Pierre Strong able to do it? Is Kevin Harris able to do it? I'm not there yet on both those players. They've got to prove it. You know, Pierre Strong had a wonderful game against the Cardinals on Monday night. Late in the year, he had the long run, caught a screen, all those things. However, that being said, it's a lot more. Protection is what determines a great nickel back. Is Strong going to be good enough in protection? I don't know. But I think Cook could really help the Patriots. Yeah, and uh, Ramondre Stevenson nearly 1,500 yards last season, so a great one-two punch, as you mentioned, if possible. Miami's still the team that, according to the odds board, is the expected landing spot, plus 125 favorite for Dalvin Cook to end up with the Miami Dolphins, even, even with the Mike McDaniel comments last week. His press conferences always throw me for a freaking loop, Michael. The I, His version of saying I wasn't born yesterday, and it wasn't even his birth. Like, he didn't even get his own birthday right. Did you notice that? No, I, I, I tend not to listen to him because, I, I mean, it's a little bit, you know, he's I mean, I think quirky. Yeah, he's a character. I, I, I you know, look, I, 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 he doesn't really make me feel like he's in command of anything. You know, and as a leader or somebody who values leadership, I'm, I'm looking for that for guys. That pre- like Mike Tomlin talks at a press conference. I'll stop what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm going to list. I feel bad you know? saying this. I want to hear him. I feel bad saying this, but when McDaniel was with the 49ers, you didn't have to hear him very often. So I didn't really notice. And now that he's on yeah. the big stage as a head coach and you're always listening to his press conferences, like what in the world are you talking about, dude? Okay. We got to take a quick break here. Um, the offseason drama and trade rumors around Zion Williamson are picking up. What's on Michael's mind as it pertains to the young oh, star? Yeah. We'll dive into that, that next. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID. Open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 5 The NBA draft is just two days away, and with that, a lot of talk about the New Orleans Pelicans and their potential to trade up from 14 and trade their star in Zion Williamson. Michael, I know this is a subject you are very passionate about, so what's on your mind? What intrigues you most about this situation with Zion? Uh, This is the hardest place to be in sports is you, you recognize a player's talent. Right. You recognize his ability. And as a coach, that ability doesn't always show up. And out of 308 games he's been eligible to play, he's only played in 114. Right. Mm -hmm. And so all the people that say you can't trade him haven't really coached him. And there's always an excuse for why he can't get back on the court. I mean, this is a team that was in third place in the West when he was healthy, pulls a hamstring, never to be seen again and the rest of the year. I'm sure Willie Green, the head coach there, is probably saying, what can I do? Everybody who says you can't give up on him, he's too talented, has never been fired from dealing with a player that's talented that never plays. 
The people like myself that have counted on players that can't come through, we take the adage of what Bill Parcells says, which is simply when a player shows you who he is, believe him. Mm -hmm. And so all this conversation, it's driving me crazy because the defenders of Williamson don't, don't understand what it takes to build a team. You can't have him as your leader. If he's not going to be in shape and he's not going to work the hardest, I mean, Kobe Bryant says it so well. Why would I pass the ball to a guy that shows up five minutes before practice starts and leaves five minutes after? Like, why would I do that? So, like, I think New Orleans is at the point where, okay, it's over. It's part two. Everybody says maybe his behavior is because he doesn't want to play in New Orleans. Okay. Then why did he sign the five-year extension, Stormy? Yeah. Yeah, five years, $200 million nearly, um, that contract extension he took last season. Um, and he wouldn't sign that if he didn't want to be there. They wouldn't sign him to that if they didn't believe that he could be a cornerstone type of a player still. And I think that's where the people from the outside looking in, Michael, continue to look at potential. And you talked about how good the Pelicans were when he was on the court. Like, you have to be fair to him from that standpoint that he is – an incredible talent when he's out there on the court. But the old adage is the best ability is availability for a reason. And if you're continuously not available and on the court for your team, then where is your value? And that's where we keep on getting to this issue. And you talk about the injury history playing only 114 games. He's, that means he's missed 194. Um, the injuries are numerous, as we had on the screen a, a moment ago. The right knee, um, the meniscus. He even had problems with his knee, by the way, in high school and in college. The hand, the right foot that kept him out for an entire season. And then the infamous hamstring that you referenced, where remember the quote, Zion didn't feel like Zion. And what's interesting <laughs> to me about his situation is that, like, you can be a, you can be a pro – without being a professional. And that's kind of how I feel about Zion is that like, he's a pro basketball player. He's in the NBA and he's very, very, very talented. But the preparation, the training, the diet, you talk about that contract, Michael, he has a clause in his contract that he can't, that he has like a weight clause that he can't be right. over 295 pounds. Like that to me just shows you right away that the team doesn't even, like that the team realizes how big of an issue that is with him. You know, and that's the problem. I mean, when you criticize a player of Zion Williamson's skill set, people think you don't respect his talent. Oh, no, no, I respect his talent. I respect his game. The problem is I don't respect, as you said, his professionalism to the game. And I think anybody who sits there and says, oh, you got to be, you can't give up on him. Here's what happens. Here's what would happen. If you gave up on him and traded him to another team, let's say you traded him to uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, where he's the, still the alpha male. He may have one good year, and everybody will write a 1,000 articles about yeah. what an idiot the Pelicans are for trading him. But once he has people back on his side, he's going to revert back to who he is. <laughs> the only way this player ever becomes better than he needs to be is when he goes to a team that already has an alpha male. When he goes to a team like the like the – Golden State Warriors, where they can demand from him because they demand of themselves. That's the same problem with Embiid. That's why Embiid needs Jimmy Butler next to him. That's why Zion would be would need a Jimmy Butler, because he's not going to tolerate him taking six months off for a hamstring. It's hard to have your best player be the laziest player mm -hmm. on your team. For sure. and But that exact scenario, Michael, is I think why 
um, there's that fear, right, of being the guy with egg on your face if Zion goes somewhere else and then has a ton of success, even if it is just that one year and it's a short-lived thing. Like, that's – you feel like you'd be kicking yourself if you lost out on the guy that he could be, right? But um, right. he – as far as things go with the draft right now, the, the Pelicans reportedly would want Scoot Henderson to be the guy, which would mean they would have to trade up likely to two to the Charlotte Hornets in this year's draft. But the Hornets probably, at least from what I'm hearing and reading, they wouldn't want Zion. They would want Brandon Ingram. It's the Trailblazers that would be more interested in Zion. But would Scoot Henderson be available there? So I'm really, really curious to see how all this is going to play out come Thursday because yeah. your guy Bill Simmons from The Ringer specifically reporting that a reliable source of his did tell him that Zion's not going to be on the Pelicans come Thursday. I think the Pelicans have had enough. And who could blame them, right? Who could? That's my point about that's what's got me on the edge. And yeah. I don't understand why people don't recognize why the Pelicans are frustrated. Like, he may go somewhere else and have a good year. He's never going to have a long career. He's already told us that. His, his inability to want to get into shape, he's already declared who he is. So don't just grade the spikes. Grade the whole entire career. Mm-hmm. Car- Charlotte would be the worst place for him to go. I mean, that team, you know, has got so many off the – there's no discipline. There's no accountability on that team. Uh, I mean, I, I stayed at a hotel in Milwaukee that was apologizing for the air quality in their hotel because the Hornets had just stayed there. Oh, no. You know, wonder what they were doing in that hotel, right? Oh, so there's a lot of issues that go around the Charlotte Hornets that I think are, are problematic. That he would be, that would be the worst place for a guy like Williamson to go. That would be the best place for New Orleans to send him because they would be guaranteed he would never really achieve his full potential. They're I, I 600 to one issue. right now to win a title for a reason. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, you know, so I think we get so caught up in this potential. You know, I was talking to a guy in the NBA and I asked him, who, what side of the fence is he on on this conversation? He said, well, I, I think it's hard. And he said, we have a coach here who thinks we should go get him. And I'm like, but that coach has never been fired before for a player with potential. Mm-hmm. Like, you only develop this layer of believing a player when you see him after you've gotten fired. by. I'll tell you a story. We had Charles Woodson at the Raiders. And Woodson was an incredibly talented player. There's no question. But there was a period that Charles would admit to you today that he wasn't the best version of Charles Woodson based on his off-the-field behavior. And when he went to Green Bay and signed kind of a lower contract because he was having a hard time getting traction because of his performance in, in Oakland, so many holding calls, so many grabs and pulls, that he stopped the off-the-field behavior, and he got himself in order, and he got his life back in order, and he became the talented player. That's what's going to have to happen to Zion. And he's only 23 years old, so you would hope that given how young he is, that he's still moldable in a way that he can improve and that he can get to that person um, and fix things. And, I mean, the the off-the-court stuff is real, too, whether it be with his teammates or everything that's going on with social media right now that I know that the organization does not like and what's happening with him off the court in addition to the basketball side of things. So he's got a lot going on in his life, um, and you just – you hope – for his sake and knowing the generational talent that he could be, that he starts to like realize the importance of being in shape and being a part of a team. But why does he have to, Stormy? Yeah. He's going to get two hundred million for five. Right. Years. Why does he have to? <laughs> yeah. Like, why does he have to have that wake up call? Woodson had to have the wake up call because the contracts weren't guaranteed. Where Where does fear do the work of reason for Williamson? No, you're. 
uh, you're right. I, there's no rebuttal to that because other than you would just hope internally and like knowing the public perception of you being a bust would be enough to have that wake up call, but perhaps not. Um, we, there's another, I, there's another basketball topic I wanted to get in with you with Draymond Green. So maybe we can live that, um, in this sure. next segment here, because he declined his $27.5 million player option, but the Warriors still look like the most likely landing spot for him. So curious your opinion on that, as well as like I mentioned earlier, there are some some new prop markets that are opening up every single day in the NFL. So maybe some different ways that we can attack some of those things as well. We will be back on the Lombardi line in a moment, but I know this was what's on Michael's mind, what's on my mind. Did you see the Jello shots thing at the College World Series? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, is that, if not, I'll have to show you in the break because that was that was what was on top of my mind. Just goes to show that you are obviously the, the jello mark. shots. Absolutely, for <laughs> sure. I have no life. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host Stormy Bonatoni on VSN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com and check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits another way. vcin's here to make you a more informed, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits. Forever game at vcin.com. Rolling along here on the Lombardi line on vcin, the sports betting network. Stormy Bonantoni and Michael Lombardi with you. And now we welcome in good friend of yours, Michael Tate Frazier, college basketball analyst, host of the One Shining podcast on the Ringer podcast network at Tate Frazier on Twitter. Welcome in, Tate. How are you? Hi, Stormy. Hi, Lombardi. Great to be back. It's a, it's a jam-packed week. You know, we got an NBA draft week, yeah. a lot of conversations, a lot of smoke screens, a lot of rumor mills. So, it's good to talk basketball and good to talk uh, basketball with you guys. Yeah, let's start. Let's start with your North Carolina cohort. I know we went to Duke, but let's start with Zion Williamson. Bill tweeted that he thinks he's not going to be on the Pelicans after Thursday. What are your thoughts and where do you think he ends up? Well, you know, I originally, you know, just being a North Carolina guy, Zion's from South Carolina. I was excited about the idea of maybe – um, you know, I know the Pelicans have some interest in Scoot Henderson, so maybe the Hornets could take Scoot right at number two, maybe try to flip him into Zion. But from what I've heard, I don't think the Hornets are, are really into that idea. They're not keen on that idea because of all the off-the-court issues and the fact that he's not really on the court as much as you would like him to be, obviously. Um, but I think that Portland is really in the mix, and I know that Dame Lillard came out today and said he wants to have some veteran guys he doesn't want Portland to use that number three pick for someone like a Brandon Miller or a Scoot Henderson. He wants someone who can play now. Zion has a lot of talent, as we all know, number one pick in 2019. And also, Zion's a Nike guy, right? And Nike, in case we forget, is headquartered right outside Portland and Beaverton, so they can get closer to Zion. Um, they can kind of keep track of what's going on with him. And I think that if he goes to Portland and he ends up in a trade, then that, that might be great for him because he has a new fresh start. Yeah, and with a player like him and all that he's gone through with the injuries and the off-court issues, it's sometimes maybe you just need a new voice and new surroundings to kind of get that kick 
moving forward. As far right. as like those top two picks go, I mean, last year, I remember all the draft chaos around Paolo Bancaro and would he, wouldn't he just kind of like slides in with the draft odds. We don't have that issue with Victor, Victor Wembignana going number one overall to the San Antonio Spurs. So the biggest question mark is there at two to the Charlotte Hornets and what ultimately do they do if they don't trade? Who do you think it is? Is it Scoot Henderson or is it Brandon Miller going to? Well, the popular narrative right back uh, at the beginning of the year when they played each other, Scoot and Victor, Victor Wimanyama, it was all about, you know, Scoot's the de facto number two guy. As soon as the season ended, uh, my sources with the Hornets told me that it was Brandon Miller. They were all about Brandon Miller. He was going to be the pick at number two. They loved the idea of putting LaMelo at the one, Brandon Miller at the two. You have a six foot seven point guard, a six foot nine shooting guard. That's a lot of length in the backcourt. It's a mismatch any series that you're in in the NBA playoffs. So it makes a lot of sense. Unfortunately, Brandon Miller's workout, from what I've heard, was not so great with the Hornets. It was all right, but Scoot Henderson wowed the Hornets. He came in, had a great interview, had a great workout, so much so that uh, there were reports from Jake Fisher um, and the NBA powers that be that said Michael Jordan wanted both guys to come back in. Reportedly, they came back in yesterday. They both worked out in front of Michael Jordan. Um, and, you know, I didn't get much information out of what happened yesterday. But from what I see and what the odds are doing, it does seem like Scoot Henderson has somehow beat out Brandon Miller. Now, again, the entire time for the past month and a half, we've heard that Brandon Miller is the pick for the Charlotte Hornets. So it's hard for me to um, completely uh, do a 180 there and say it's Scoot Henderson. But at this point, I think Scoot will be the pick at number two. And uh, and I think they're going to figure out a way where Scoot can play point guard. LaMelo can play the two. Again, LaMelo's six foot seven, So he's going to be the right size to play the two guard. And at the end of the games, um, in the NBA, we know that LaMelo can just take the ball handling duties away from Scoot Henderson. So it won't be that much of a problem, despite people thinking, well, you can't have two point guards. LaMelo can play the two. So that won't be an issue. Yeah. Tate, of all the guys in the draft, forget, you know, uh, forget Scoot and forget uh, uh, Brendan Miller. Who's your favorite guy from watching him in college? And who do you think is going to have a really highly successful NBA career? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Cam Whitmore is probably my pick. And uh, out of Villanova, he just has a lot of, uh, he has a high ceiling, has a lot of natural talent. I'm a sucker for the Villanova guys. Um, Villanova guys have kind of <laughs> turned to, into what Carolina guys were when I was a kid, right? They're just winners. They know how to play. I know Cam Whitmore is a one and done guy, so he didn't have too much time in the Villanova system, but he has a great support system around him. You know, Jay Wright, Kyle Neptune, um, all the Villanova old heads, right? Even a coach like George Raveling, who could probably, you know, get in his ear a little bit. But I think Cam Whitmore, I would be surprised, Lombardi, if Whitmore falls past the fifth pick. I know the Pistons love him um, at five. There's also some rumblings that Houston really likes him. So maybe he goes four or five. And I, I just think the ceiling of this kid um, is higher than most. And I just like his game. And I, I think he's willing to fit in even as a number two, number three, number four option, whatever it may be. And he is the favorite where things sit right now to be the fifth overall pick this year. Uh, where, where does this draft class in general rank for you? Because we know the Victor Wimbanyana in general and how much hype he specifically has had. We haven't seen a player talked about this much since LeBron James back in the day, but aside from him, the rest of this class, where would it rank for you? I think it's a really good class, and I think it's a really deep class. And there's a lot of players that if you have an affinity for them, then you can get some talent later in the draft. For example, Trace Jackson Davis, right, coming out of Indiana. I think he's the best rim protector in this draft. And I think a lot of people have uh, talked about his offense. He only goes left. He doesn't really have a jump shot. 
I don't really care about his offense because we're not expecting him to be the number one option on an offense. We expect him to come in and be like a backup center. So you could get him in the second round, and I think there's a lot of value there. Another example is a guy like Jordan Walsh, who I'm a really big fan of, a 7-2 wingspan, played at Arkansas. Gives me, uh, you know, shades of Shane Battier as someone that I would point to. I love defense. I love defenders. So those are two guys that will be later in the draft that I think have a lot of upside, a lot of potential. And another name I want to throw out, Andre Jackson Jr. out of UConn. Wins a national championship. Um, I think he has a very high ceiling. I know a lot of people talk about the jump shot, and it's a little inconsistent. But at the end of the day, some of these guys with their frames and with their work ethic, I think they can help develop that jump shot. And again, we're not asking him to be LeBron James or, or be the number one option. So uh, I love defense. I love defenders. And if you're a rookie and you play defense, you're going to get minutes. So those are three names that come to mind that I think will be later in the first round, early second round that could add an impact immediately. I love Jordan Walsh. I mean, he, to me, when I watched him and Nick Smith play, I thought he was the lottery pick, not Nick Smith. Now, Nick Smith, that doesn't sound right. like he is going to be a lottery pick any longer. What What were your thoughts and reaction to the Bradley Beal trade? And how does Phoenix put together a roster based on where they are with the cap and only having five guys under contract? Well, I'll be honest with you, Lombardi. I uh, I was a little shocked by that move. But then when you start thinking about what they're trying to do, it seems like they're trying to move Booker to the point guard position. He obviously had Chris Paul next to him. And um, I think, you know, learned under Chris Paul a little bit about the position and what the expectations are. And when Booker, you know, shares the ball and isn't just a primary tunnel vision scorer, I think he can be a better player. So Beal basically becomes your de facto shooting guard. Kevin Durant can become your de facto small forward. He can slide down to the four. And I think that DeAndre Ayton is going to be moved at some point. And I would, I don't want to put this out there too heavily, but I think that Draymond Green is a name to watch out for. I think there's a world in which Draymond Green um, ends up in Phoenix with this team, kind of like what he does for Klay Thompson and Steph Curry is what he's going to do for Devin Booker and Bradley Beal. And then you also have Kevin Durant and uh, the numbers work out. Um, the owner, obviously, of the Phoenix Suns is a Michigan State guy, so he has an affinity for Draymond Green. Also, reportedly, Isaiah Thomas is involved mm -hmm. um, heavily with some of the basketball decisions. I know he's a big fan of Draymond Green. They need someone in Phoenix to do the dirty work. They have the star power, as we know, but you need someone to, to be willing to get into the mud. That is who Draymond Green is. That is who he's always been. And I think he's looking for a change of scenery. So Phoenix is a team I would watch out for for Draymond. That's a really interesting awesome. thought, a, a name that I wouldn't have had on my radar, truly. And, uh, of course, the news yesterday that he did opt out of his 27 and a half million dollar player option with the Warriors who do want him back at least what it seems on the surface from a just like big picture standpoint last 90 seconds or so here when it comes to building teams in the NBA like do you like that approach of going out and getting the big fish and doing what you can to win now or the slow burn of a build of a team like we've seen with the Denver Nuggets who obviously just won an NBA title well, when you look at the last three champions, right, when you look at Denver, when you look at Golden State and you look at Milwaukee, they were the slow burn approach. And one of the things that uh, a former NBA player told me, continuity is one of the greatest things to have on a team and, you know, the understanding of each other. And that's why Phoenix this year in the playoffs, I had really no faith in them. They hadn't even played 20 games with each other. So I can't, you know, even no matter how talented you are, I don't think you can click at that level. So I think that, you know, still team building is important. I think the I think the best thing that happened with Nikola Jokic and with Giannis Antetokounmpo and with Steph Curry is that it showed if you have a superstar in your corner who's locked in, who's not floating rumors around and trying to find, you know, the next <laughs> pond to jump into, you have a real chance to succeed in the NBA. And I think that's good for the league and that's good for everybody that watches as well. Tate, awesome stuff. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy the Great week. Great job, Tate Frazier.
Love yeah, seeing you, my man. Yeah, of course. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, of course. Have a great day. Thanks again. I'll, I'll come back anytime you what a guy. At Tate Frazier on Twitter. Guy. Make sure you check out the One Shining podcast, downloadable wherever you get your podcasts. Your former partner in crime, Michael. So always appreciate his time. Yeah, great stuff. Um, when we come back here on the Lombardi line, we're going to turn our attention to some quarterback touchdown, passing touchdown props, and whether or not you can only pick one. We'll see. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.